and welcome to Out on Her Fanny. Sorry, I forgot the name of our podcast. I was so got close. It. I was so close to saying the life toyetic. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, we are. A lot of things are different. We're in a new location. We're somewhere. Yeah, we're up in the cabin in the woods in the yeah, mountains. We're very we're, high up. We're living yeah. in a world where Evangelion is finished. It's done. No more Evangelion. It's over. Yeah, and also we're engaged. Yeah. So we came up to the mountains to visit my stepmom. And uh, lovely, we're in a lovely cabin, huge cabin. This cabin is bigger than our apartment. But, by the way, uh, this is Out on Her Fanny, a podcast about yes. the nanny. It's, it's Ben and it's Mandy. And yes, we're it, engaged! Yes, we... Uh, we... Uh, crack, the, crack the thing! <laughs> it's going to be mad at me. You're Sorry fun. about That's the audio, fun. but You're I'm good. happy. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I dropped down to one knee. And uh, after the paramedics came and uh, made sure I was okay, I asked Mandy if she wanted to marry me. And she said, sure. I didn't. I said I was. I was more gung ho about. You cried at the prospect of spending the rest of your life with me, which, in fairness, is is the usual reaction to people thinking about spending long periods of time. With yeah. Me. Though I have to say, like, I mean, in terms of life things, I'm very happy to get to spend the rest of my life with you. Yeah. In terms of like our podcast and kind of like the way that I have been marketing the show is been like, oh hey. We're watching a show about an American, a Brit falling in love, and it's done by an American, a Brit falling in love. You're a little early on this. Yeah, I this feel is like, like a bit... season five, season four, season five. Yeah, like the, what what you should have done is just make a proposal, and then as soon as we get off the mountain, you have to take it back. But there is recorded evidence of this. It can't be no take backsies. You ruined my plans. We are, we are Facebook official. We're Facebook official. We're Instagram official. We are Vero official. <laughs> we're MySpace official. I did a tweet. I texted my sister in England. She has not woken up yet. But she will get to see a picture of my hands with my nails bitten down to the core. And a Haribo, a Haribo. A Haribo Star Mix ring. And then you got the actual. Yeah, I have a ring. Ve- I have a very pretty ring. It is gold. It has a like a rose and yeah. a, like a small diamond in the center of it. It's very sparkly and pretty, and I love it. It's very you. I, I did a lot of hemming and hawing over the ring, and then ordered the ring, and then was anxious about whether I got you the right wing. Right wing. Right wing. I was anxious about whether or not you were joining the Republican like Party. Whether whether or not this uh, ring would overly conservative and get mad about the fact that <laughs> uh, you're non-binary. Yeah. Although I will say. Up in the mountains, I won't say exactly where we are, but we have seen some shockingly pro-Trump signage. Yeah. And also a place that's just called Ah. Yeah, a place that was fun. I mean, technically, it was it was a lowercase. It was Ah. The A at the beginning was Ah, but it was like there's an exclamation mark at the end. It was so ah. I didn't I didn't interpret it as Ah. I interpreted it as Ah. <laughs> now that you are engaged, how has your life changed? Uh, what is different for you right now than from several hours ago? I have, I'm slightly lopsided because there's jewelry on the left side of my body. Mm. I don't, I don't wear rings and part of it's because I have very tiny fingers. Also, you're a big fan of symmetry. Yeah. So I need like something. You got to buy me more. I'm not buying you another ring. I'm not (laughs) buying you that ring again. It's not happening. I love you so much, but I'm not. No, I need like a bracelet or something. But no, it's very nice. I mean, it was something that like we had talked about and expected. Yeah. It wasn't too much of a surprise. But I am, I am very happy that we get to spend the rest of our lives with each other. Yeah. And I have a, a nice shiny thing to prove it. Yeah. And then at some <laughs> indeterminate point in the future, we will stand in a room in front of friends and family and say, yeah, let's keep doing this. Yeah. You know the thing we've been doing? We're going to keep doing it. 
But there's cake. Yeah, but there's cake and uh, more paperwork involved. More paperwork involved. It's, you know what? I've always said there's nothing more romantic than legally entwining yourself with another person. Yeah, I mean, you're you're in America now. Yeah. you got to worry about health insurance. This is true. <laughs> I have better health... Well, I don't have better health insurance than you, but I have health insurance. Yeah. I have usable health insurance. Yeah, and an literally extent. the first time... Like, I mean, not the first time. We, we've been talking about it for a bit, but like... Technically, the like the time that you proposed to me mm. uh, was months ago when I was having a gap in my insurance. Yeah, that <laughs> it was did like, hey, up. should we get married for insurance reasons? Yeah, there was. I had a legitimate concern, and I wanted to make sure you were taken care of. So I, I did at the time felt like the pragmatic thing, and now we're doing the romantic thing. So shush your lips up. Yeah, it was like it was just a thing <laughs> of like, oh, like it's not that bad. Also, I want pretty jewelry. So yeah. here is my. That was when we found out my ring yeah. size. Eighty-seven. No. Big thing. Massive fingers. <laughs> Like car tires. Oh, yeah. Ben doesn't know what a finger is, so it actually goes around my entire ankle. It does go around the entire... I thought the fingers were those, like, cookies that Cadbury make that are you thought it, You thought I was a horse, and, like, horse hooves are technically the finger? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I would also say, just as a warning, don't break your leg. Don't break your leg. <laughs> uh, it's not going to end well for you. What do we do on this show? Uh, we typically watch an episode of The Nanny and we talk about it. We do. This was season one, episode 18. Do you remember the title of this episode? Yes, it was Sunday in the Park with Fran. Sunday in the Park with Fran. And the re- you want to know the reason why I know that? Go on. It is because I just checked uh, HBO Max. And if you are watching on HBO Max, it is the same episode, episode 18. So we got us a daily double. So another daily double. It's an engagement daily double. Engagement daily double. It's the, uh, the HBO Max and the broadcast order have been lining up quite well for the last year. That's coming to an end soon. Yeah. That's going to that's come to an end. So if you're watching on HBO Max, it's going to get Pre- weird Prepare soon-ish. to be confused. There's a reason why we keep on checking. Yeah. So are you, uh, should we crack on with this discussion of the episode? Yeah. All right. Maxwell and Cece are prepping because there is, they're about to start a new show and they're talking about how the tickets are all sold out because they have sold tickets to Fran's family. Yes, there's a lot of, thank God Fran has a large family. So Cece has sent gift bags to all of the critics in town. Yes, which uh, Maxwell is at first surprised about, but then thrilled that this yeah. is, uh, uh, yeah, uh, definitely do that because we we need it because it's kind of a joke that Maxwell is bad at uh, uh, producing shows. Yeah, what, what show is this one, by the way? Does it come up at any point what this particular show is? I'm sure. I'm sure because I spent a lot of time talking about how it was dramatic and s- s- stuff. But it's pathos. Yeah. So I my, listen. I don't think it is mentioned in the episode, but I would like to pitch that it is a musical adaptation of the Jim Carrey and Jeff Goldblum classic "Earth Girls Are Easy." <laughs> yeah, I do have to. I have to be honest, folks. Typically, we watch it immediately before. We record, mm-hmm. so it's kind of fresh in our minds. Um, it's been a couple days, actually. We watched it yeah. when we were home, and then we went up to the mountains, and now we were doing a record, so it's a little uh, uh, wiggly in our mind. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, if anything, let's just make sure that we have the key points. Yeah. Fran comes in, gives yeah. gives the dinner orders. My entire family is so excited about being invited to opening night. They want 12 chicken dinners, two prime ribs, and two kosher meals, if it's not too much trouble. Nanny Klein, this is not dinner theater. No food. Food? Aye, big mistake. If you feed them, they will come. <laughs> Fran 
punches CC and Maxwell in the throat, pummels them. It's gr- it's actually quite a violent sequence. Yeah, she. I don't want to say she hulks out. It's as close as you can get to hulking out without turning green and expanding and. I mean, she did. She did turn green. She did, tu- but for different reasons. Well, she changed her top. She left. She changed her top. <laughs> she came back. She punched them in the throat. So Maxwell and CT are actually silent for the rest of this episode. In hospitalized. Yeah, it's not. It wasn't of, scripted. None of none of this happened. None of this. Let me have fun. I, you do have fun. I just want to trust the people. The people are trusting us. The people are trusting us to get them through. They're going to be concerned. It's like, did, did I mess up on the HBO Max? They're going to be. They're going to be so upset. It's the HBO be- cut does not include the podcast <laughs> sequence. It's on the DVD though. Buy the DVD from Shout Factory. And yeah. also, if you work at Shout Factory, hit us up with some kind of affiliate link yeah. situation. Uh, if you, you go on Shout Factory, use the coupon code. Uh, uh, Fran Dicks Ahoy is not going to do anything, <laughs> but it is going to confuse Shout Factory if they have any data on that. If you can put a comment on the order, just say, out on her fanny sent me. Yeah. And s- let's see what can happens. We, can we do that? Can we try to get like a thing? And buy, buy anything from Shout, Shout Factory. is a great company. They oh, do a lot Shout of things. They have, they have anime. Full disclosure, I do have a friend who works for Shout Factory, we sh- but we don't get anything from them. For no, we don't have anything, but I want them to give yes. us stuff. So if you are buying, check out Shout Factory's catalog. I am sure that they have something for you. Just put a comment thing out on her fanny sent us. Yeah. So they can, we get on their radar. Uh, anyway. Opening titles. Opening titles. Then it is uh, Kitchen. Kitchen. Uh, uh, Niles. Yes. Is uh, arranging a. Picnic basket. Yeah, a giant picnic yeah, basket. Boo-boo. Fran is like, oh, how sweet. Uh, oh, shit. I just came up with another weird link in this episode. I just, sorry, I just did the, the Yogi Bear picnic basket thing. And Dan Aykroyd is at the end of the episode. Spoiler alert, by the way. Dan Aykroyd voiced Yogi Bear in that movie that came out about 10 years ago. Anyway, uh, Niles is preparing a picnic yes. basket. And Freya first thinks like, oh, it's so sweet. Until Gracie points out it is because the fridge is uh, has broken and everything is going to go bad. So that is why he's stuffing everything into this picnic basket for them to eat on the road. Including Chekhov's baguette, a very long, sturdy baguette with its own pocket on the picnic <laughs> basket. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of Ch- uh, Chekhov's guns things in this episode. Um, one of them. So Cece comes into the kitchen and she knows notice one of the baskets that she mentioned sending off to a critic is sitting on the table and she's immediately pissed off and Niles like hey you didn't send this out and Niles like I don't work for you also this got sent back yeah and so this is one particular critic whose name I cannot remember no we didn't even remember it after he is nothing what, <laughs> what name are you going to give him this time uh, I'm going to call him Fredo the Frog <laughs> after a uh, an English candy bar that is shaped like a frog yeah uh, so uh, she's like oh how how will I get to Fredo the frog how can i win him over and gracie hears this and be like there's a freddo in my class freddo the frog and <coughs> cc immediately goes that must be a son it has to be there's no other son. there's no one else in the universe with a name freddo i mean freddo the frog it is full name yeah but but i'm pretty sure on the show it was like john smith or yeah it was jake like- Peters or something, something super like middle of the road, like the name that the doctor gives himself in a in a classic Doctor Who serial, so he doesn't sound like oh, I'm the doctor. No, you're not. You're Ponce. You're John Smith. <laughs> you're saying you're John Smith because it's easier. He said my ashtray was derivative. 
That's him. So Cece does what any responsible adult would do and goes rummaging through Chester Merfield's PTA documentation, finds the phone number of the kid's son. Yeah, and she's like, oh, you're going to go, Gracie, you should go on a play date with this kid. And Gracie doesn't want to because the kid is a little snot-nosed brat. Um, And Fran is like... No, Gracie doesn't have to play with people that she doesn't want to play with, which, like, is very good. Yeah. Establish boundaries for this child. And yeah, let her go team as- friends. Cece yeah. was wrong. Yeah, this is a this is a Cece wrong episode, unfortunately. Sorry, Cece fans. Um, Cece wrong here. Uh, but Cece doesn't care. She calls uh, Fred of the Frog and was like, hey, your kid should play with my kid who is not my kid. <laughs> She's kidnapping, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, she arranges the play date. Fran goes rushing to Chester Merfield's office. Uh, Cece is giving chase. Fran has Brighton run interference and kind of try to stop Cece, which works. It shouldn't because Cece is eight foot tall, bronzed and rippling with muscles. Eight, and should just be Eight able foot to, vertical leap. Yeah, just should just be able to like... <laughs> <laughs> like six million dollar man, like leap bound she over this just tiny child. Step over Fran, like over both uh, Brighton and Fran. Yeah, she's she's ten thousand feet. She's like the solid gold Homer Simpson. Um, <laughs> but Fran gets into the office first, despite all of Cece's biological and genetic advantages. And Fran holds the door shut. And I've just realised Cece is blonde with blue eyes, and maybe saying she has genetic advantages is not. <laughs> Maybe not the right call. Especially when she's fighting a Jewish woman. This is so bad. Oh, That's no. so bad. That's oh, Benjamin. Wretched. I'm so sorry. Oh, Benjamin. To anyone I have offended, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Sheffield, would you please explain to Miss Babcock that I am in charge of the children? Well, of course you're in charge. And if Gracie doesn't want to play with a little boy, she doesn't have to. No, of course not. Miss Babcock, come in. Cece rolls into the office like Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, like totally, like, like does the like rush in, like yes. trying to stumble to keep herself from falling down. But then she asks, like, but, but it's Fred of the Frog's kid. And Chester Matthews. Suddenly he does a 180. He does an eight foot vertically. <laughs> and he's like, well, obviously we have to do this. Because mixing business with pleasure and doing the hand drive is a we thing. Know, we already had an episode I'm where we decided that that's an okay thing to do. Canonically okay with this. So that's what Fran does. She picks up Fred of the Frog Jr., who is the caramel version of the Fred of the Frog, the bar with the caramel running, which actually used to be called a Taz bar, and it had Taz from the Looney Tunes. Oh. Um, and then they lost the license, and it just became a Fredo caramel. Yes. Yeah, uh, so they go to the park. Fran is talking to the kid. who's like, immediately it presented as a snot-nosed He's rat. He's a shitty little piece of it's turd. A, it's a moment. You call this a park? I find it dull. The scenery is totally lacking in imagination. Fringe makes a joke that is uh, both oh fat phobic and anti-Asian. It's not even like, it's not one that I feel like we need to put a warning for, but it's We're just, not going to repeat the joke. Yeah. It's, but it's bad. It's fat phobic and, and racist. And the kid's like, that's the world's oldest yeah, joke. Yeah, it's, it's a lame joke. And the, the moment is supposed to be like, hey, we're not supposed to like this kid. But uh, kind of on the kid's side and be like, he's got a point. Terrible news. The worst person you know has made a good point. It's that Onion <laughs> article. Fran encourages Gracie and Fredo the Frog Caramel to go off and play. And then there's a wonderful back and forth with another woman who's brought her kid to the park. Yeah, he was uh, first confused about why... Uh, she assumes that these are Fran's children, mm-hmm. but she keeps on calling, like, it's Mr. Fred of the Frog and Mr. Chester Meffield. I'm like, why are you calling them all Mr.? I'm just furious with Mr. Sheffield. The little boy's father? 
No, the little girl's father. The little boy's is Mr. Bradley. You call them both Mr.? Well, I don't really know either of them that well. She clarifies that she is the nanny, and the woman is like, oh, I need a nanny because I have four children. And, and one on the way. And uh, Fran is like, you you need television. You don't need... Which is the same joke. You need a like, hobby. That's the same joke that uh, my mom used to make whenever, like, like that 19 kids and counting things. Like, yeah. get that woman a TV. Get her something else to do. Leave her alone. You would think she would be busy with a very lucrative reality television career, but no. Fred, uh, Fred the Frog Caramel is uh, antagonizing mm. uh, Gracie. Riding her on, like, on horseback, like on her back, pulling on her head. Yeah, like pulling her tail. <laughs> Gracie is screaming, yelling. Uh, Fran is at first like yelling at them, at Fredo to stop. Fredo is not stopping. And Can't uh, stop, won't stop, Fran is like, he's going to, like, Fran's like, he's going to make me get up. And she finally gets up and she whacks him with the baguette. Pops him with a baguette. Um, I do want to make it clear because overall, this is, uh, it's not okay to hit children. Violence is never the answer, especially like regardless of what kind of thing it is. Like you should never teach children that violence is the way to resolve an issue. Yeah. Um, But I do want to make it clear. She very lightly pats him. It's like a, hey, I'm trying to get your attention here. Not a, hey, I'm going to leave you with visible bruising. Yeah. Like, uh, Fredo immediately yells and like, is like, you, you're... He tumbles like a, like a, like a European soccer player who's gotten near someone else's foot. Yeah. He is overplaying it and like over dramatizing it. I want to make it clear that this is not a great thing for Fran to do in order to resolve the conflict, but it's also not severe. Yeah, it's not severe. It wasn't like I don't. I don't think that this kid actually has any lasting trauma from getting lightly thwacked with a baguette. Uh, but the kid is immediately very upset and very angry with Fran. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, it doesn't strike me as well. Obviously, it didn't strike me. It struck the kid. But uh, <laughs> it, 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 I don't feel like it would take a lot for this kid to be like, "Wow, that's not fair!" Like this is a very snotty, entitled brat child yeah. who had cl- close physical contact with a baguette. She did not bring harm to the child, but she may be taught him wrongly how to resolve things. Yeah. So Fran, Fran goes home with Grace and is trying to avoid Chester Meffield, but Chester Meffield has already... Is he? Does he have the phone call there and then? I, have to uh, not me. yet, but he's like coming in as immediately like how how how'd it go and be like oh it was a it was a smash it was a great hit. Uh, Chester Meffield gets the call uh, from the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> I feel like you can't actually have it in there, so is it just going to be you doing a bad cover? No, it's going to be as long as we use less than 16 to 18 seconds, or if we want to critique the song right now. uh, And I will say this the chord progression is exactly the same as Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. It's because they shared a songwriter. Um, So you can take the vocals off of one and apply it to the instrumental for the other. I never liked the Backstreet Boys because one of the Backstreet... I don't know which one. Uh, one of them was the same age as my mom. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of ruined it. Like, ruined boy bands. Yeah, yeah, I can't enjoy a boy band when you one of you like... date your mother, yeah. Yeah. Which one? Which one was it, do you know? It was the one with the goatee. It was the one who was already kind of the older one. AJ? Howie? I don't. I How, don't Howie know. Howie D? I was an sync person. And I also, I liked Lance Bass. Because he was a big fish. Yeah, we know this. <laughs> 
<laughs> like that informed a lot, a lot of my things and the fact that I am a bisexual person dating a non-binary person. Yeah. But like, oh, it, it, go, it goes yeah. back to Lance. It goes back to old Lance. Back to Lance. That's my favorite ACDC song. So he gets the phone call. He hears what happened with Fran and Fred oh, the Frog Jr. I'm, like, I'm, not, I'm not dating a non-binary person anymore. Oh, no. What, you're engaged. I'm engaged. Your fionk is a non-binary person. Fionk. fionk. Never mind that, like, just the verbally Beyonce is, uh, is gender neutral. When you spell it, that's when you get into gender things. Yes. And I have, I have to figure out I'm how to... with fionk. Yeah, just, just no ease. Yeah. Fionk sounds like an 80s sci-fi fantasy film that didn't do very well, but has done a <laughs> cult following among college students in like the late 90s, early 2000s. Kind of like Krull. Did you ever see Krull? No. Don't see Krull. It's shit. But also Chester Mifford gets her phone call. He puts Fran on a catapult and launches her into the sea. And that's where the episode ends. That's where the series ends. That's it. End of, so that's the end of The Nanny. This is actually the last episode of our podcast. Oh, so sad. It's been a real roller coaster of oh. emotions. No, that's not, that's, not, that's not what happened. Is it not? No. It sounds so compelling and believable. <laughs> a big catapult on the roof of the house. Humongous. Big. Strong enough to launch Fran into the sea. <laughs> Believable. <laughs> Which sea? The wet one. <laughs> the uh, one with water. No, on it. but uh, so uh, Fred of the Frog Senior calls and mm. is very upset, and Chester Meffield is also upset to hear. And also, at some point in here, there's there's a, a wee bit going back to the 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 fridge and Niles at the like. There's all the kids gather around the table, and nobody can open up the fridge, and Niles is showing off that he can open the fridge very quickly. Two seconds. That's a new personal best. <laughs> but he literally just grabbed a stack of stuff. It was less than half a second yeah. in reality. Uh, I, I don't remember exactly where it was. It was, just a, it was just a light little bit to make you remember that the, the fridge, fridge is broken. The fridge is broken. Yeah. Uh, I, I believe it's kind of an in-between thing because then the next thing is uh, Fred of the Frog comes over to the home. He comes everywhere. He comes all over. He's so horny. Uh, but he um, <laughs> arrives at uh, the the Meffield home. Yes, Maxwell House. <laughs> Maxwell House, um, and he was like, "Hey, uh, is this is is this that bitch what hit my son?" Also, your plays are all bad. Yeah. Also, your plays His are all bad. His whole thing is, "This bitch hit my son. Your plays are bad." Apologize. Who made the and, and, and it's the the father and son are like to get like together and very joined in on mm. this. And this is something of like. This is probably not uh, the first house I've gone to to get an apology from today. Yeah, but also, like, father and son, like, they clearly have a bond. Mm. They watch movies together. Mm-hmm. I, like, this is something that you had kind of mentioned of they've been in this class the entire time, and Chester Matfield has never known. Like, he's wanted to have this connection with this uh, critic. and It's uh, never his, occurred to him that this kid's dad in his, in his daughter's class. Yeah, and, like, it, like, if he were an involved parent, he would have known he would have had that connection. So I have a theory that the reason why this critic doesn't like Chester Meffield is because he knows that Chester yeah. Meffield is an absentee father. Yeah. So and I think that's one of the reasons why uh, Fred of the Frog and Caramel Fred of the Frog come over to get that apology. It's just to kind of see, I want to look this guy in the face and see how shit of a human being he is. He's but, a bad dad. Yeah, he's a bad person and he shouldn't have kids, but he does and we have to live with that. They're fictional, so we take some comfort in that. Um, but the, the apology, <laughs> the apology is catered, as all apologies should be. Uh, Niles has made finger sandwiches, has made uh, little snacks, little snackies, little uh, stuff 
um, which will come back. Yeah, there is Chekhov's like, finger. Food. So there's like two, two, they make two separate jokes yes. about the fingers because first, like the son critiques the fingers, and Brighton makes a joke, and then uh, the father make like critiques. The he critiques fingers. the sandwiches specifically. Yeah, because um, Noel says that the finger food is made from real little boys' fingers. Yes, and then there's the sandwiches. Which the which the critic complains about, but then does take two when he yeah leaves. he does take two, but like Fran makes a bit about like oh every guy like you deserves a finger, and I honestly don't know whether she means like oh he deserves a middle finger or he deserves to be fingered. Well, he doesn't, like hey I am going to proposition you for sex if you please leave. He doesn't need to be fingered because as you pointed out he came, so he's good. He's set. <laughs> so Fran does does a form of apology. Fred of the Frog says it's not good enough. Chester Methfield comes to Fran's defense because the, the critic, Fred of the Frog and Caramel Fred of the Frog are just being absolute shits. Yeah. Uh, and then at some point, so I mean, earlier in this episode, uh, Cece had brought Chester. It is the return mm. of Chester. Tiny dog. Tiny, 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 tiny dog. Tiny, the tiny dog is also named Chester, right? Yes. I mean, also, is it also with Chester Meffield, a.k.a. Maxwell, who is not named Chester Meffield. The dog is named Toilet Face. <laughs> no, no, it's a delightful the dog. The dog is named Sir Not Appearing in This Motion Picture. Uh, but Cece has uh, Chester and uh, Chester sees Fred of the Frog and is barking at him and very angry at him. And Chester- She's got a good thermometer, a good barometer for... Bad people, which is which, why he doesn't like Cece. Which is why he hates Cece. Fred of the Frog claims to be have been bitten by Chester and immediately says he wants the dog destroyed. And Cece's like, it's not my dog, but we'll do it. And yeah, because she's trying to distance yeah. stuff from the dog and they have to put it down and be like, yeah, we'll put it down. And he's like, and he's like well, you, it's not your dog. You can't put the dog. She, oh, no, it is. I forgot. It is my dog. Maxwell gave him to me for my birthday. It was a gift from the heart, so if I want to kill him, I can. <laughs> that line is so just perfectly delivered just mwah yeah and uh, they refuse to destroy the dog obviously no they put the dog in the big catapult and launch the dog into the <laughs> no they refuse to destroy the dog Chester Meffield says that uh, he doesn't feel that Fran did anything actually with the baguette which I, I feel like if any like it could be resolved of like hey Fran did not actually harm your kid your kid is putting up some shit and like your she was not right child. but your kid like needed to be disciplined. Fran's form of discipline was not a good form of, dis- of discipline. And I will talk to Fran about how she should interact with children. She has zero training on this. Yeah. But your kid is overreacting. And also your kid should be nowhere near my child because crazy got anxiety. I will also say in Fred of the Frog's defense, if the defense for Fran is she's not formally trained, Chester Meffield is still on the line for hiring her to be the nanny. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of... I mean, maybe not mention that, but just be like, <sighs> be like, yeah, I will I will talk to her about how we should do this, but also she is a good nanny to my children because my children know yeah. how to fucking behave. That YouTube uh, lawyer who breaks down fictional, like, lawyers and, and law cases and ace attorney and so on, we should send him this episode because I want his break. I'm like, who is at fault? Yeah, who is at like, fault? Who Who is legal, legally culpable? Is it Fran for tapping the boy with a baguette? There's a witness that we don't talk about. Is it uh, Chester Meffield for hiring an untrained nanny yeah, who's not board a- certified? It's absolutely Chester. Because also, yeah. Chester Meffield would be the one that you sue because he's yeah. the one with money. Yeah. You sue 
you, Fran, you don't get anything. You don't get anything except for some very nice dresses. Yeah, you get nothing. No. So you sue, because that's like always a thing when it comes to law. You want to sue like whatever the biggest entity is that you can get money out yeah. of. So that's like, oh, this one little franchise did something. You sue <laughs> the franchise. Enti- <laughs> you sue the entire company. Yeah. So after Chester Miffield stands up for Fran and stands up for the dog, Fred of the Frog and Fred of the Frog Caramel. Uh, storm out and as Fred of the Frog is kind of taking sandwiches and stuffing them in his pocket saying and the son says you'll never work in this town again and then we have the the night of the play the big play yeah the the play happens they're waiting uh, they're in the kind of like bar area yeah you know where kids shouldn't be but they definitely are (laughs) for the purposes of the show yeah and they're after the play uh, and Cece and and, uh, Maxwell are trying to console themselves of like oh it's not it can't be too bad he's not gonna put uh, personal issues over this and they're waiting there's a TV in the bar that is apparently gonna broadcast a live review of this play that's just finished I have to assume that maybe like it's probably like the like late night news like 11 o'clock news just kind of like yeah, but the play's for- just finished. Yeah, so the critic that we've been talking, Fred of the Frog was apparently the critic for this late night news show. So they're waiting, and then Fran shows up and she said, "I had to go to the bathroom." And there's one bathroom for fifty thousand people or whatever, and they're like eagerly awaiting Fred of the Frog to come on TV and tell them that the show rips ass, uh, but which is which is bad. By the way, I want to stress that <laughs> it's possible to rip ass in a pos- pos- positive way. Yeah, that's not what would be you just you need the consent for that. You need yes. to find the right person who is into that their ass yeah. being ripped. And there's some great one-liners here. Some great uh, Niles one-liners. Some great uh, one-liners from Cece and Maxwell and Fran that I can't remember immediately off the top of my head. So we'll just play clips. <laughs> uh, but the so the new show comes on, and uh, lo and behold, further the frog. Has died of food poisoning. He hasn't died. He I've just... decided he's... I need him to be dead. He's the world's worst dead. person. I need him to never be alive again. <laughs> I need him to... I don't... I would never wish someone dead, but Photo the Frog is a fictional character that we've named after a foreign candy bar, so I think we can safely say it's fine if he dies. But what happens to Photo the Frog Caramel? So, uh, also dead. Oh, he's just a little boy. And little boys can die. Oh, I don't want. I don't want him. I want him to be like. Oh, then he goes like maybe his parents are okay. divorced. He goes to live with his mom, and his mom gives him proper like care, and also raises him right to be respectful and good. Here's what happens: Foot of the Frog is visited by the three ghosts of of Broadway critique, and they give him uh, stunning lessons on how to be less of a douchebag asshole and how to raise his child. He's not paying attention to them, however, because he has severe food poisoning and is vomiting in a bush in the corner. So by the end of it, the ghosts are like, "What did we?" Why do we waste our time with this? Let's let's go down the pub. Fuck this. But because the critic has got food poisoning and has died, for all we know, uh, they decide to go to the person on the street. And the person on the street, who do they go to, Mandy? It's Fran! It's Fran! Fran talks about how great the play is. It's it's kind of a thing of, because like er, very early on, uh, when she was asking about the dinner theater, Cece and Max were like, no, it's a serious play with all this drama. And so she basically like just repeats what they said. That, but does say that could have done with a steak or something. In yeah. The just says that, says they need to improve the bathrooms, which Maxwell has no decision on that. Not that is what the theater is, but gives it two thumbs up. And they are so happy. Uh, Maxwell immediately goes to uh, Fran and just like passionately kisses her. Pass- passionate mouth kiss, which he doesn't really like his 
as I recall, and correct me if I'm wrong, his immediate reaction to that, he's not embarrassed, he's not awkward, it's not, and there's no love, it's just this is the thing that he's done. Yeah, it's very, I mean, they do kind of like have like the moment like, uh, uh, like, I'm just excited, but like, it's not like overly played of like awkwardness, it's just like in the moment, like, yeah, I'm like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, and then there's a little there's a little bit at the end of there there. Fred the frog being put in the catapult and launched into the sea. No, the fridge. Oh, the yeah. fridge. The whole reason why the fridge has been out of commission the whole time. They send for a repairman, and they go like, "Oh, the repairman's been late. Who you gonna call?" Frostbusters. <laughs> Frostbusters, and he has like a, a, this like tiny little uh, plumber bit. They has like a plumber crack out and he's like repairing the fridge and that is that is it. That's it. And then during the credits, here's the thing, Dan Aykroyd not credited for this appearance, but oh, behind the, as the end credits are rolling, they do have uh, Fran and the cast kind of bowing to the studio audience and Fran welcomes on to the stage Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. And here's the thing, until that moment, I actually, the first time we watched this, this episode, generally didn't know it was Dan Aykroyd because he's doing, he's scrunching his face up. Yeah, he's like, has a character complaint, which I have a theory about Fill this. me in. Um, my theory about this is, and this wasn't something until we were watching it now, watching mm. it for the podcast, because I had seen this You've episode. You've seen this a thousand times. Yeah. Seeing that it is so close to the family plumbing, I feel like he was supposed to be in the family planning. Mm. I feel like he was supposed to play Fran's great uncle mm. or his uncle or whatever. Like that was a character they kind of written for him. And maybe something was scheduling. He couldn't do it, but they still want to do this character. And that's why, because it is such a weird thing where they just finally like just have the, and here's Dan Aykroyd and yeah, he's yeah. nowhere else in this thing. Yeah, It definitely feels like they wanted to have him. They had made a character for him. Like Fran was like, and here's my friend. My friend. There's a lot of Fran's friends in this first season. Twiggy, Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. And like I, I, uh, I would not in someone, if you actually, know more details about this Do but this is just like nothing like just my gauging of it would be like i would not be surprised if they had this character they couldn't get him actually there to film the episode at that time and I'm like well we'll just we'll just have your characters a little bit because it is such a like he has a complete character yes it's a fully full it's an snl character basically yeah, still he's a character. doing an entire like yeah. little snl skit but it's at the very end of yeah. this episode and there's kind of like leaning in into like, oh yeah, the fridge bust, the fridge busted, and then just at the very end. So yeah. it, it feels like something of like, okay, we have this. Where do we put this? Oh, we'll do, yeah. we'll do that also, also say this, the jokes aren't even that good. The whole bit is, here is Dan Aykroyd. Do you remember he was in Ghostbusters roll credits? Also, here's his crack. Here's, here's his, his crack here's, of his here's, ass. Here's his full ass out. Yeah. And then of course, after he, he gets introduced to the studio audience, they take him up to the roof and throw him from the catapult into the sea. <laughs> So that's how Dan Aykroyd died, in case you were wondering. It is on his IMDb profile. This was his last, last thing that he did. And he's dead now. Aww. What did you think of this episode? Uh, I enjoyed it. It was fine. It was fun. It was, I mean, wholly predictable. I think it's one of those sitcom episodes where the story's kind of on autopilot, but it's not the story that you're watching it for. It's the characters. Yeah, the characters like, interact. for me, this is an episode of, it is very snippy and, like, it's to the point of, like, again, they have additional time where yeah. they're showing, like, an after thing of, like, thanking Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. 
And like, like they had additional time like, because it is so quick. Yeah. But it's just because like they have very snappy dialogue. It, snips, Every- it's, it zips from moment to moment. Everything is kind of connected where, yeah. again, you you have Chekhov's baguette. You were talking from the beginning of the, like the fridge being broken and the gift baskets in uh, the opening goes into the next. Like, yeah. It is so quick. It's kind of the opposite of... I think the way a lot of British sitcoms go, because with this, the story elements build and build and build, but the jokes are kind of in the moment. Whereas British sitcoms tend to do the opposite. They will have a joke kind of grow and what mm-hmm. weave and wind its way through the episode so that by the time you're hitting that same joke at the end of the episode, it's like a big explosion of laughter from the studio audience because they've taken this thing and like built onto it like a yeah. Lego tower. And it, it feels like a little bit they might be doing and trying to do that with the fridge, but it's like mm. you don't like... The first time I had watched this episode, it's just a weird thing when Dan yeah. Aykroyd suddenly comes up but re-watching it and they talk about the fridge and I'm like oh this is the episode with Dan Aykroyd yeah. just at the very like he's not even like in the Shout Factory things they typically say when there is a like a guest star he's not credited he's not credited all, he's not like yeah. me- he's not mentioned like I mean I feel like Shout Factory like the thing that Shout Factory mentions is that this is like episode with the first kiss between yeah. Maxwell and Fran yes they don't mention that Dan Aykroyd's there's in this. an entire <laughs> Daniel Aykroyd in this episode and they they neglect to mention it. And my theory about that is he did this for free as a favor to yeah. Fran Drescher. I don't think his agent knows he did this. I don't think he took a paycheck for this. And he had one scene, like he doesn't even have to be there for rehearsals. He doesn't I mean, need and to... that, that also could have been a thing of like, uh, they were talking just like friend wise of like, yeah. oh yeah, we'll write a thing. We'll do a pl- like a plumber thing for you. It'll be funny. Yeah. And then to do it a whole episode, then you have to get agents involved yeah. and you got to like, oh, well, we can't afford you to do this. And be like, but we can have you for a little, a little bit. Dan Aykroyd, if you listen to this podcast, do please reach out to us. You can tweet us out on her fanny. I don't know if you use Twitter or know what it is. It doesn't involve ghosts or a human skull, so it may not be on your radar, but do please uh, try to reach out to us. <laughs> and that's that's the episode. Now, we don't have the booklet with us, so why don't you ask future Ben, who will be editing this episode, what the next episode is? Hey, 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 future Ben. Uh, once we're down off of this mountain, off of this mountain, Ben, uh, what's, what's the next episode? Hello, past Ben and Mandy. I speak to you now from the battlefield of future 2021. The robots have risen to overthrow man. At the same time, the mole people who live deep beneath the surface of our planet have crested the soil to claim a world they believe is rightfully theirs. Also, they got rid of the cranberry flavor Red Bull, which, you know, fucking sucks. I mean, the flavored Red Bulls aren't that great anyway, and regular Red Bull just kind of Tastes like pool. Anyway, uh, uh, the next episode is uh, season one, episode 19. The gym teacher, Maggie, is having trouble passing her gymnastics class and has resorted to fake illnesses and other excuses to avoid it. Fran is sympathetic and vows to help her. Rita Marino, guest stars. I'd love to talk to you about it more, but back to the battlefield. There's so many bodies, so much blood.
Thank you, future Ben, for giving us that information. And thank you, gentle listener, for listening to this week's episode of Outrun Her Fanny. If you have enjoyed the show, do please let people know. You can talk about us on social media, on Facebook, tell your friends, your family. Little baby podcasts, little independent podcasts like ours live and die by word of mouth, and we would certainly appreciate yours. If you want to find us on social media, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter as Outrun Her Fanny. Our website is oofcast.com. That's O O H F C A S T. Com. Mandy, where can people find you? People can find me at Mandy Quesadilla on the same places, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I also, again, want to reiterate that you should go on to Shout Factory. Ready? Just go on to any website where you feel like buying. Just go on Amazon and on the little, on the little notes. Just pull it out on her fanny sent me. And just, just so we just can see what happens. Tweet at Shout Factory as well. Let them know that you are enjoying our podcast. And this podcast is in part made possible by the fact that I bought Mandy the complete series yeah. from Shell Factory as a, as a Valentine's And like Shell Factory, because I, I don't even know if this is like, if their copy of, because it's like a DVD thing of the nanny. I don't even know if it's like in print or if they're just getting it. I think it's of, in print, because they're still uh, selling it on their website. I mean, they could still be selling it, yeah. but it's just like something that like, they're just getting rid of what they have in their warehouse. But like, oh, there's like, I also love their uh, issue of Promare. Mm-hmm. Their Promare issue is good. Um, they have a lot of great reissues of, uh, of movies. Their Scream Factory label. This is just basically turning into an advert for Shout Factory. Uh, they, they did a very nice uh, release of Sliver, uh, which I think was, was that a James Gunn movie. Yeah. Yeah, Slither's great. Um, I'm, I don't want to advertise Shell Factory because they haven't given us any money. Yet. Um, <laughs> but you can find me on social media. I'm at Ben We got Cadden. a wedding to pay for. We got a wedding apparently. to pay for. Come on, give me that Shell Factory yeah, money. Where can people find Benjamin? Yeah, Ben Padden, Twitter and uh, Instagram and Facebook also. And that is pretty much it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Out on Her Fanny. A podcast about the nanny. I've been Ben. I've been Mandy. You are engaged. I am engaged. You're engaged. I'm engaged. And yes, we, we do, do know, know it, it means, means vagina. vagina. The engagement means vagina. Yeah. Yeah. It's my my engagement ring looks like a vagina. It doesn't. Oh god, it doesn't. <laughs> I mean I guess in like a Georgia O'Keefe way. Yeah. No, it's a rose. Yeah. Anyway, vagina, goodbye. Bye. Grand Geek Gathering